The wine's gone to my head, I realize, as I sway into the kitchen to get another bottle. I'm at that perfect stage of tipsy when I feel padded and warm, thoughtful. Carla's belting out her trademark laugh, that Wiccan cackle that's hearty enough to scare ghosts into corners. And somewhere, softly, tentatively, under Carla's vital bray, Steph is laughing too, a sound I haven't heard for weeks since. Trying to ignore the clot of history under the bottom shelf of the narrow pantry, I grab another bag of chips and reverse out into the kitchen again. Carla's date brought an expensive red wine tonight, telling me, as he pressed it into my hand, that we shouldn't drink it this evening, that we should save it for an occasion. But I'm sure it will go down just fine now. I open the chips and cram a handful into my mouth, then reach for the bottle on the overloaded counter, just as the new motion-activated floodlight in the backyard flicks on. Glancing up, I misjudge my grasp, and the bottle skittles down, smashing into a clutter of dirty glasses and sending a shatter of knives and forks wheeling off the plate on top of the pile. For just a second, the racket is too much. As it crescendos and settles, the shards and cutlery landing on my feet and the floor around me, I'm unable to move my eyes from the window, staring into the light, as if a floodlight will keep the monsters away. But it's more than a second, really, a lot more, because when the floodlight finally flicks off after revealing nothing, there's silence around me, until I hear someone shifting in the kitchen doorway behind me. Mark, Steph's voice, you okay, honey? I shake myself out of it. Yes, sorry, I just dropped something. Steph approaches me, treading with her bare feet across the hazardous floor. Don't, I say. You'll cut yourself. She ignores me, tiptoes to my side, and looks out at the nothing in the dark yard. Did you see something? She asks softly. Someone. It must have been a cat. You sure you're okay? She says, squeezing my arm. I'm fine, I say. But I'm embarrassed by my reaction so I grab the wine and guide Steph between the shards back through to the dining room as if she needs my guidance. But the truth is, right now, next to this firm, strong young woman, I feel blind and vulnerable. Let's drink this while we still can. Steph glances at me. Sounds rather ominous. I meant, while we can still appreciate it. Yes, you should really leave it for a better time. I've forgotten the name of Carla's latest friend, who's standing at the music dock, putting in his phone and choosing some smooth, cynical track. You'll miss that famous chocolate on the palate. Famous chocolate, Carla says from her place at the table, 
artfully pretending that she hasn't heard the disaster in the kitchen. You mean notorious? That Dival's Fontaine is a tricksy wine for hipster dilettantes. No offence, Damon, darling. None taken, Carla Pumpkin. I sit down and watch Damon as he sidles back to the table, wondering what's between him and Carla. Does he know he's the latest in Carla's long series of boy toys? What does she get from him? What does he get from her? It must be twenty-five years younger than she is. But then, I pull myself up and remember, I'm twenty-three years older than Steph. I forget that every day. I don't feel forty-seven. I don't feel middle-aged. I can't allow myself to imagine how she sees me. Paunchy, floppy, pathetic, damaged, failed, washed up. Some sort of freakish fetish. Steph's standing behind me, rubbing my shoulders. And now she leans over, and her hair, fragrant from some herbal shampoo and the spice of the supper, falls across my face and saves me from that line of inquiry. Just going to run upstairs and check on Hayden, she says. I'm sure she's fine. The monitor's right here. We would have heard. Just checking. Sure. Okay. Thanks. If Carla's laughing hasn't woken her, nothing will. Damon chips in at Steph's back, as if he's ever seen our daughter, as if he knows her. Carla smiles and rolls her eyes. I still don't get it.